You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. It's your favorite redhead. It's Catherine Lamantry on the podcast. Hello. Hi, welcome back. I mean, it's not a a Kiss My Aesthetic season without Catherine on it. Um, And if you've listened to us before, either like talk about online business systems or me, I think, I think the episode that I had you on was like the peak of my creative burnout where I was like, I'm tired. Right. <laughs> I was like, that was a good one. But really the one that everyone loves was our San Diego open recap Yeah. because they kind of got to see all of that unfold in real time. And then to hear the backstory of how that all got started, what we took on, what we noticed was really useful. And now I want to do the same thing for the golf tournament. So we worked together on Savvy Giving by Designs, charity golf tournament, Giving Greens last November. But then season two was over of the podcast, so we didn't get a chance to recap. So here we are. Here we are. But for people who haven't heard from you yet or haven't binged the old episodes, can you tell us who you are and what you do, who you help? Yes. I'm Catherine Lamandry. I do online business management. But really what I tell people is I, I help small businesses get from point A to point B. I think so many times uh, creatives aren't technical and technical people aren't creative. And I fall right in the middle. So I'm, I jump in and help specifically uh, entrepreneurs or small businesses to really help them bridge that gap and feel like they have another team member um, and person that they can rely on to just make their business work for them so that they can actually work with their clients. Absolutely. And then you also have a side passion that started during the pandemic. Golf. Tell us about your love of golf. I'm a golfaholic now. Yes, you are. I am. I love golf. And I think that's what's so fun about being an entrepreneur, though, is like it gives me that flexibility to like take a golf lesson in the middle of the day or go to the range or golf in the middle of the week. Um, and it has been so much fun. No, it has grown my community tenfold, first of all. Like there's a wonderful group that you're now into called Babes Golf. And it's just a really great community of beginning women golfers and some like super experienced golfers too. But within that, it's been a wonderful community, but golf is not easy and it definitely challenges you. I'm a super competitive person and the only person you're competing with is yourself. So it's, it really does tie in a lot to entrepreneurship as well. Cause it's like what you're putting into it, what you're getting out of it and finding that balance of where you're going to burn yourself out. Like I will literally put myself in time out on the golf course if I'm like <laughs> getting too worked up because I don't want to be that person that someone doesn't want to play with, you know? Exactly. So sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to, assuming I'm not playing around or I'm keeping score, like I'll just go sit in the cart and I won't like finish out the hole to just give myself time to think and just be like, this is just golf. It's a game. Like Chris Pratt had a great thing where he talked about, he was on the Smartless podcast and he had this great quote where he was saying, he's like, I get out there and I golf and I think I've I'm playing the worst game. I spent all this time of my life, like money, time. He's like, I could have written a book. I could have written a movie, like all these things you could have done. And you hit that one shot and you're like, you're back. Like you're so, and you're in. And it's so true. 
it's so it's worth it. it. It's so funny. Yeah. We have to tell a funny story from over the weekend because we went to the Farmers Insurance Open. Yeah. Um, and let's talk specifically about like women's networking groups, right? Like the Babes Golf Group has been a, a wonderful source of referrals for both of us. Um, but we were there and some of the girls were decked out in their babes golf gear and a guy came over and he goes, Oh, that's a really cool group that you have. Like how many members? And like, Oh, like 150 in San Diego. And Oh, that's cool. You guys like all golf together. Yeah, we do. And he's like, Oh, that's awesome. Do you know if there's any groups like that for men? (laughs) Yeah. Everywhere. Literally everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, It's called golf. It's called golf. It's, it's all of it. It's golf. It's all the golf golf everywhere. What do you feel like is different between playing with men versus playing with women on the golf course? It's, it's really depends on the group, right? So, I mean, definitely there's, there's obvious differences of men generally hit the ball much further than women do. I think one thing is a very common misconception is that, um, women because they can't hit the ball as far, aren't going to keep pace of play, which is not true. Um, but I've definitely walked up and been like, Hey, I'm, you know, my friend and I get paired with two guys and you can see their faces like, oh, great. But I also just think it really depends on the golf course you're playing too. But I I think both men and women are really fun to play with. I don't think it really matters if you have a good group that's there for fun. I think the competitiveness is different. Like, um, I think there's men that will take it way more seriously than women do. Um, but there are some women that are like by the book, super strict, like crazy about stuff. But I think the biggest thing... And with our group, since a lot of people are new golfers that I'm really big on, is just making sure people do have great golf etiquette. They know how to keep pace of play. And especially when they're new playing, you know, a, a full, like a regulation course for the first time, making sure that they understand like the rules so that like everyone has a good time because golf has like extensive rules. And I mean, for almost like every scenario possible, but I think the biggest thing is like, they're there to like, to keep the integrity of the game. And as long as we can abide by that, it, it makes it a, literally a fair playing field for everyone. Like you might take 10 shots on a hole where I take four, but if you're keeping pace, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, then it's fine versus the opposite where some people just like are on their phone or texting and stuff. And it's like, be present in what you're doing. Everything you just said is the perfect analogy for business. Right. So like talk about like having rules and guidelines. And if we can all agree to sit, play within the same rules, like we'll be successful. But if there's this discrepancy between someone wants to play like this and someone wants to play like that, and the rules aren't established or that as two people, like you're going to see someone rock up and be like Ugh, in a bad mood about it, you're going to have a bad time. Right. right? Yeah. So it is really interesting. And I think what I loved about some of the first times I went golfing with you is like, I was like, oh, this is so obvious that this is where all the wheels and deals are being made. Oh yeah. Like 100%. you're outside, you're chatting with each other. It's mm-hmm. casual. It's not forced. It's that like long-term slow burn network yep. that I think, again, like being a boys club for so long, golf, particularly in the business world for so long, like it can be really intimidating to jump in. But once you're in it, you'd be like, Oh, this makes so much sense. Like now I understand like how all this stuff has happened for so long. Um, it really is kind of eye opening. I definitely missed out on opportunities in my past job, not being a golfer. Um, I planned, I planned all the golf tournaments, but yeah, there were other people in my office that got invited to golf, the the guys, and I never was invited because I didn't know how to golf. And so, but that's the, you know, especially in business, when you're going to go golf with somebody and you have a four hour round ahead of you, you don't sit down and say, Hey, like you might ask someone what they do, 
but you're right. not going to like ask them and like sales pitch them on anything. You're like, how's it going? Like, who, who are you? Get to know them as a person and yes. you're out there enjoying the round. And like, you also see people's like own little demons or competitiveness come out in the round, right? Cause you can also kind of gauge how they are in life and in business and stuff with how people golf. Absolutely. But I also think like at the end of the day, something I've really been working on for myself is like realizing like it's just a game. And at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter how I scored. And if you push things, I mean, this is a perfect analogy. I golfed a couple of weeks ago and I just have to keep remembering the statistic that like, it's a really high number of golfers never break a hundred. Um, and okay. I've, I've shot a hundred and I was golfing at Coronado and I shot a 51 on the front and I was like, I was doing okay. And I'm like, this is my chance. So my golf game's definitely gotten a lot better. Like this is my chance. And the last three, I was, I wasn't adding up my score, but I knew I basically needed to like not shoot double bogeys on the last three holes. Basically I knew I needed to get from point A to point B and I forced it and I blew it. I shot a one Oh four, which those five shots that would have gotten me under a hundred make the difference. Right. And those are just the ones where I wasn't paying attention or I was, but I was pushing too hard. And that is so, yeah, that's exactly how business is. Like when you force the sale or you're forcing something or you force like, you know what, I'll take on that client, even though they were crazy on the discovery call, Mm -hmm. that's when you're going to end up with something where you're like, you know what, this, I never should have done that. And then you end up, you know, with the bogey or you end up shooting Mm -hmm. at 104 instead of, but in being okay. But then I was like, well, I know I can do it. Right. So that's the next challenge. Like, and it was a, like a, a fun, but like moderately difficult course. Um, right. so I'm like, I know I can do this and that's what like keeps pushing me. Right. And I think that that's the same thing with, you know, with you with like design projects, when you give them a project and they're so happy, you're like, yeah, knocked it out of the ballpark. Like everything mm-hmm. you do, I just love. And it knocks it out of the ballpark and we love doing that for our clients. That's part of the reason yeah. we do that is because we know our skill set and the special skills that we possess are going to help people and like get them from point A to point B that they do not have the skills or let's call it like skills or, or time interest. or interest in doing. Yeah. Right. Like, and that's, I think where there's a lot of hangups in entrepreneurship is someone's, Oh, I have to do that. Like I don't do my own plumbing. Why would I do yeah. my own taxes? Like, yep. Yep. You know, I'm going to pay someone for, to do that stuff for me. And whether it's social media, they're hiring out, you know, your team to do their social media or hiring me to like do their Dubsado build out. Like they can use Dubsado, but building it out is a, a nightmare. So for some people, I think it's like the most fun puzzle ever. Yeah, no, that's something that I gladly outsource because I don't yeah. like touching it. It doesn't work with my brain. Um, and it's nice to have a specialist on your team. Like it's nice to have right. somebody that you know you can trust who built the machine and can keep the machine running because right. it is a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, but you talked about how some people just don't have the time or the interest or the care to execute on things, but they know that they want it done well and they want it done by somebody who knows what they're doing. Yep. I think that it describes my mother to a T. So my mom started the nonprofit Savvy Giving by Design in 2014. Um, they're a group of interior designers that do room makeovers for children facing medical crises at no cost to them um, to support their comfort and healing in their medical journey. And the biggest thing with nonprofits is that you have to do so much fundraising on uh, to keep your thing running, right? Because the whole thing runs on donations. Yep. It's much harder to get little piddly donations all year long than it is to have a big blowout event. 
pre-pandemic, we were hosting galas and doing the whole fancy nonprofit thing. And they were successful, but they're also expensive to put on. And as you said, in your past life, you planned a handful of golf tournaments. One of our sponsors had reached out and said something about golfing at some point. And my mom came to me. She goes, who do you know that can run a golf tournament? And I was like, Catherine can. So t- tell us about your experience planning a golf tournament before you golfed. And then now as a golfer, what you look for in a quality tournament. The first time I played, I was 22. I was like out of college. I watched golf on TV. I didn't know anything about it. So I had this wonderful committee that like guided me through it. And over the years, um, it was really funny because my committee would be like, you don't golf. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't golf. And truthfully, even within that, not that I didn't know what I was talking about, but they're like, golfers want this. And I'm like, okay, fine. And I just like relinquished the control to them on some of the things that they wanted to see on the course, like making sure there's, you know, little things people don't necessarily think about, but it's like, are there enough beverages? How hot is it? Or is it a cold day? Is it a rainy day? Like all these little things that you kind of have to plan ahead for, but also, you know, with our tournament that we did, we would sell it out um, at 144 golfers is we'd have two women, maybe five women max, you know? And so it really was like a boys club. Even my committee that I was working with was mostly all men. Um, And then, so I did 16 golf tournaments at my old job. You did 16? Yeah. I've done like... Oh my God. I've done close to 20 now. Yeah. So we did 16. Those ones would average... I think the most we ever are met was like close to $100,000. And then otherwise it would be... And that's really sponsorship, right? Like those, right. like you were saying, those big sponsors will come through for things like that. Um, and it depended on, like, at one point we had a deal with a golf course where like, we didn't pay for anything except for the liquor. We didn't pay for golf. We didn't pay for the food. I mean, that's how we were able to make a hundred thousand dollars at the, at a very reasonable entry price. But we, yeah, we did a bunch. And then we just did one like that was just for fun. Like it was, it, yeah. we had the Navy Notre Dame game. There were a lot of people coming into town. We're like, let's just do one for fun. We did it at like a chill. We didn't do it at a country club. We just kind of did a chill golf course. That one was an absolute blast. And then even in my second life doing, you know, small business consulting, one of my clients said, Hey, by the way, I want to do a golf tournament. And I said, well, you know, I've done whatever it was, 15, 16 golf tournaments at the time. He's like, no shit. Oh, that's perfect. So then I did his golf, you know, so then we did a, a really fun golf tournament. That was a inaugural tournament as well in 2021 it was the first year we did that. I know I was thinking, I was like, what year is it? So we did that one in 2021 raised $9,000 at a $50 entry fee. Okay. Like love that, which in the, it was only 88 golfers. So when you like start looking at those numbers, that was huge. And, um, that was purely, and this was just for charity. Like my client doesn't have a charity, but there's a charity that the golf community in San Diego supports because I want to do a fundraiser for that last, this last year we did it made $12,000. Like amazing. And it's, and it's a very different vibe than what we did for Savvy Giving, than what I've done for some of these other ones. This one was like, like I said, 88 players at a par-free course, but it's just showing people like there are easy ways to like do these fundraisers that are impactful, but you have to also like have a vision of what you're doing, have a vision of like what people expect. And I think to kind of go back and answer that question of like, what's the difference between now being a golfer? Like, you see, like I learned what some of the golfers expected, but now as a golfer, it makes 
a lot more sense to me and like how things are laid out on the course, like what you're seeing. I mean, I played in a tournament last year, which we played really well. Like our foursome played really well. They did not have a prize for women's first place team. What? So they only had, and there were only, there were like three women's teams and it was very clear that like, I think we beat a lot of the guys too. Oh my gosh. Because it's a scramble score and we had a girl with us in college. Like, so cumulatively we did well, but they like made an effort to basically like scrounge up a prize for each of us. Sure. But I do think it's kind of funny sometimes. Like I'm, as a woman, I'm always like making sure that the women's prizes for closest to the pin or contest holes are like good prizes. Cause you want people to be excited about that kind of stuff. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Let's talk about kind of all the different ways that you can actually generate revenue from a golf tournament, because when it comes down to it, say somebody's listening, they have a business or they run a nonprofit and they want to do some kind of golf fundraiser. I think the most eye-opening thing to me was like how many different revenue streams you actually get from a golf tournament. So if you could kind of just walk us down the line of what's possible, then we can get into like also the fun stuff, like the, the course activations and the social campaigns and the, all of that stuff. But let's kind of talk about that first. From an organizational perspective, because I think there's two different sides. There's the, we're the organization, how do we fundraise? And then there's the, how do we get the golfers to give us money? There's two different Mm -hmm. things. So Mm -hmm. there's definitely on the organizational side, multiple levels of sponsorship, like, and getting things donated in kind that will help, even if you could get a discount on the golf or whatever it is. But the main things are like, the different levels of sponsorship. Like you have basically a title sponsor, presenting sponsor, whatever. But what's fun with golf is we did like a reception sponsor, a Bloody Mary bar sponsor, like little things like that, where you figure out how to monetize donations. So someone just gets their name out there. And that's what you're really playing into is the ego of the companies with your tournament with Savvy Giving's tournament in particular. We had um, a very set like interior design and then with within that, like interior design focus. So that really lends itself to like anyone who touches building a house or touches building the room, right? So that was a really unique way to look at it. Whereas this other one I've done before was like, we had all these volunteers that volunteered for the holiday bowl. So who, what companies did they work at that wanted to support and show that they were a supporter of another nonprofit? So there's so many levels of, you know, those kind of creative ones that we did, but also just basic things like a whole sponsorship, like a contest whole sponsorship. There's Mm -hmm. like very regular things that people do expect that are easy to generate revenue. And I think knowing your audience, who's going to play, because I've played in golf tournaments where it's a thousand dollars per golfer. And then I've, you know, and then on the flip side, this one we did for the golf bar, again, like I said, we were charging I think this year we charged 65 bucks this last time. I'm like, we can raise the price. <laughs> like, right, 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 right. Because in under, in understanding that was like a f- really like fun vibe one versus this one that's a thousand dollars, you're still spending a lot on your golfers, but sure. What is a normal amount? Like most golf tournaments are somewhere in the $300 range. Right. That is like a solid amount that you can charge. The golf course plus food is going to be 110, $120 per person. Right. So the like actual net you're going to get per golfer is a little bit different, but, and it's really deciding like how you're going to do that. So then you have to decide pricing on, well, what's a attainable whole sponsorship. Would I rather get two at $500 each, or would I rather get, you know, 15, 20 at 250 bucks each? 
more buy-in, more, you know, so Mm -hmm. different things like that. I mean, I'm a total numbers person when it comes to this stuff. So like I will track my budget like day by day on these to just make sure everyone's on track. But um, I think there are just making sure you have that foundation, whether you're doing a 5k walk or like a golf tournament, like what's the fundraising and then also figure out what your actual costs are and then how you want to like raise money outside of that. Like what are the well, hard sponsorship costs? is such an interesting angle. Right. So, so to kind of recap what you said, there's, there's two buckets and how you can make money. Yeah. You can make money on the sponsor side and you can make money on the golfer side. Yeah. Obviously with the golfer side, you have to incur costs. It costs money to golf at these places. It costs mm-hmm. money to feed the people and get them drinks and get them their swag bags and their stuff and all of those things. Yep. So factor that into your golfer ticket price. Yep. What's attractive to golfers about golfing in a golf tournament is one perks of being able to like get all that free stuff that we just talked about. Two, they get to support a cause that they care about. It's a write-off. And three, that maybe they get a golf at a course that they otherwise would not have access to. That's honestly, I think, one of the biggest ones. Because if you're going to do it at like XYZ course that like I could go online and book a tea time right now, not as attractive. But if you can do it at a country club like we did for this tournament. And like there's levels of country clubs too. And like where Mm -hmm. we had it, Morgan Run, people around here really like it. It's a solid club. Um, You know, they have a great facility. They have one of the better facility layouts, I think, for a tournament. Like for sure, um, Country Club Ranch Bernardo is also a favorite. That was what I was pushing for for this tournament. I love that one. I love that course. I love. I've done four tournaments there. I love everything about them. Um, but I also think like that is such a draw because unless you have a friend who is going to take you, that's a member at that course, you're not playing there. Like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest draws is like give them something they can't get on their own. And exactly. give them the write-off and give them the swag and the fun goodies. And then as soon as they walk in the door, ask them for more money. <laughs> so that was the other yeah. thing that we did is right at that registration table, we had the raffle ticket. Um, you had this great idea of the, um, you know, you could pay a little bit more and you could get your your wingspan and tickets, which is such a fun visual thing to keep people engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, then again, Popping back to the sponsor side, we got a lot of really, really cool raffle prizes donated. Um, And that's for a nonprofit side. That's as simple as reaching out saying, hey, we're hosting this golf tournament. Would you be interested in donating sunglasses or a golf bag or a vacation or this? And then you get that opportunity to win those things. But even to bring all of that to fruition, there's a lot of like marketing, planning and logistics that have to happen. So kind of walk us through like in the most abbreviated way, like okay, before you even start, you should know this and then you should do this and then you should work with a designer and then I'll take it over and run through through everything that I did. And then we'll bounce it back to you and say, this is the logistics and these are the things that you have to keep in mind kind of rolling up to it. Do you think we can do this? Yeah, I think so. I think the biggest thing is like, what's your goal? Like what is the actual goal of the overall tournament? And then figuring out where you want to play, figuring out some budget things that are like, like, like the hard costs, like Food, drinks, golf, like those three things. And then your miscellaneous supplies, signage, that kind of stuff. And then pricing it from there and figuring out like what your sponsor packages look like, what your golfer packages look like, and then how you're going to promote it. How far in advance, if you wanted to host a golf tournament in this year, where by the time we're recording, this is January, what would be like the closest amount of time that you would feel comfortable taking on a golf tournament? planning it. I could take, if it was like soup to nuts planning, you need at least six months. I mean, you could do it in four, three would be a little 
chaotic? Um, well, it just depends on what what it is, right? It just depends. But if you're like, hey, let's start this golf tournament today and we're going to do it, like I would, I would want minimum four months. One thing to keep in mind though is like all those donations. Like if you're writing to any place in Balboa Park and you were asking for the museum ticket donations, most of them require six to eight weeks advance notice. That's good to keep in mind. And you have to keep in mind, they're getting hit up by everyone else too. Everyone. So like Mm -hmm. really leveraging, luckily I I did leverage a lot of like my connections for this tournament, but leverage the golf course, ask them for stuff, you know, ask like everyone, especially in San Diego, everyone knows somebody that works at Callaway or Titleist or like, cause they're all headquartered here. Like, Mm -hmm. so we all know somebody that can probably get us something, but it also kind of, as a golfer, like free golf stuff, all about it. But you also have to kind of keep in mind what it is because it kind of devalues it because it's so easy for us to get that stuff sometimes. Sure. sure. You know? Um, but going back to that, I mean, I think the base of someone's like, we really want to do a golf tournament for our school or something like that. It's the biggest thing is like, know your audience, like really define who your audience is and then back into where you're going to play all these things based on that. Because we could with... With the Savvy Giving Tournament, I think you guys could easily go to a much, like, a a higher-end country club. Mm -hmm. But, like, with my old tournament, if they had tried to turn around and charge five, six hundred dollars to play it... There's no way. They'd lose their people. Yeah. So it's deciding, like, what makes the most sense and, like, really knowing your audience for it. Because you can make great money doing a golf tournament, but you also can make no money doing a golf tournament if you don't know what you're doing. Or you don't know who you're talking to, right. right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not unlike branding where we have to define like, what's the mission? What's the vision? What's the goal? Who's the ideal audience? What's the call to action? What's the ask? What's the value add? Like yeah. all of that's really essential when you're doing um, pretty much any project, but this one specifically, right? Because there's a lot of factors involved. Um, I think the next thing that we did after we kind of established the foundations was you went after sponsors and tried to s- secure sponsorships. And my whole goal was to give you assets to be able to do that yeah. in a beautifully effective way. So we came up with um, a pitch deck that was really helpful that explained all the sponsorship levels and that we also marked as claimed once they were taken. Yeah. And that's like some great sales psychology of kind of showing people like, oh, somebody else already threw down yeah. seven grand to do XYZ thing and kind of get people on that process. So coming up with the campaign name, the color palette, the fonts, I think also really helped from the get-go because it allowed you to create things within Canva. We can praise Canva yet again. Um, And you were able to execute. So what what were some of the Canva templates that you feel like you used the most in planning the golf process? Well, two things. One, on that claimed thing, I did use that for my golf bar tournament because we used it as a live, like, design yeah pack. we would go in and we would just use the the view only link is that's how we would share it like please view mm-hmm. it here and it was the view only link so it was always live they could always see like and with my other claim it was like this is sick like because we every time we sold a sponsorship we just put it in there so it was always a, like a living document essentially um you designed the I think the whole sponsor signs which was like a frame essentially mm-hmm. you designed that and then we had like the mark and like a sub mark. And I basically used the whole sponsor sign and made everything else from that, from, um, our, the signs for the raffle. Like, and it was cool because what I loved about it is you did like two different color schemes. It was like, like a reverse basically. 
So we had the same look, but not everything looked the same. But just knowing right off the bat what the fonts are, like you could jump in and do it or somebody else could jump in and do it. And they weren't going to do it wrong because it was templated. Like it was already there for us to just copy and paste stuff in. I mean, I did literally everything in Canva, except for the thank you letters because I had to mail merge them. That was it. Like we did everything in Canva. And same for my other tournament. I mean, it's just really a godsend. It's just the most turnkey way to make things look consistent. And I think especially, um, you know, as we were promoting it on social or sending information to the sponsors or creating everything from like the event programs to the paddle race cards to the write-in donation, um, you know, slips to we had all of the like raffle tickets had their own little signage that were in the brand fonts and the colors and the scheme. And it just adds a level of like professionalism and trust, to be honest. For sure. Then if you see everything in like 40 different fonts and it's like chaotic and things don't match. And it's like, it it doesn't look like the ticket price to be there. And you want to have that consistency throughout. So I think as you're planning it, working with a designer, again, like your checklist would be like, do you have a logo that works? Do you have a submark that works? Fonts, colors, stock photography? Like we didn't like, let's stop using comic sans on stuff. Like I hate that. I like when they added it, I know that it's a, um, accessibility font accessibility Mm -hmm. font, but like that wasn't what it originally was like years ago. Right. But it's great now for who needs it, but like that font drives nuts. But the whole point is when you use like Calibri or Arial, like everyone knows those fonts, like Mm -hmm. come up with something. I mean, I know there's like six fonts on uh, Canva everyone uses now, but my whole like hating on comic sans thing. My point is that using something that like is consistent, but also elevated, it's a little bit different shows that it, on its own, there was thought put behind it, Brandon, like you said, it gives it like a luxury feel to it that you're at totally. this event that was well thought through and well put together. And it's not just like they made a sign that just says like raffle tickets and it's literally in Colibri that just like default font. And it just looks like something you're, you know, somebody posted in the office workroom. Well, yeah. And it's, it's, you want to come back to audience, right? Like if your audience is willing to drop a couple hundred bucks to go golfing and a couple thousand dollars on donations, like they probably drive a decent car and they're probably used to going to vacation at nice spots and they make a good amount of money in their job. And there is this expectation that the things like the, the experience of being there should replicate those feelings, right? It should make that audience feel like, oh yeah, this is for me or make someone who feels like that was a reach be like, wow, this is really special. This is really, this was worth it. This was worth the investment. I have this prompt on my, this is like kind of unrelated, but related. I have a prompt on my Hinge account that says, you'll know we'll be a good fit if we're the same type of foodie. And people always say like, what kind of foodie is that? I'm like, I'm the kind of foodie that's like price must correlate to quality. Like the worst thing is going to a restaurant, paying through the nose and the food sucks and the service sucks and the atmosphere sucks. That's so annoying to me. I am all for shelling out for a delicious restaurant. You and I do this all the time. I love a fancy dirty martini in a nice Mm -hmm. hotel restaurant for sure. And I have no problem paying 18, 20, 25, $35 for something really, really, really delicious. Yeah. But all those other aspects have to be on point because that factors into the price point. 
there's no point in paying that amount of money to not have a great experience, right? 100% agree and, with you. and on the flip side, if like you're saying with the golf bar tournament, not as expensive, not as crazy luxury, but you're getting quality for the price point. Yeah. You're going to have a freaking blast. There's going to be cool people there. Yeah. It's a cool course. It's a casual Saturday afternoon and you're going to have a great time. Yeah. We had taco truck out there. Like everybody was exactly. fed. There was endless drinks, like all the things. And And that's, you know, creating that experience, I think is so important, like ingrained in what we were talking about, because for the savvy giving one, what we did is I, off the bat, I was like, I had them include the Bloody Mary bar because as a golfer, you, when you get there, you know, usually like an hour early for a tournament, you know, you're going to warm up, but you, what else are you going to do? Like, there's going to be a putting contest standard, but the Bloody Mary bar is like, oh, this is just kind of fun, you know? And then we got a sponsor for it. So it offset that cost, but giving them things like I was at a tournament where there was Bloody Marys and breakfast burritos, like delicious down, always down for breakfast burrito um, on the course. I eat so much. That's one thing I brought into it. I eat so much when I golf. Yeah. So I have so much food, but one of my big things, like kind of jumping ahead a little bit of what we were talking about, but within the golfer experiences. Yeah. When they get there, we check them in, we hit them up for a donation for the raffle or whatever it is. Or, you know, depending on if you're allowed to use that word or not. And then then we give them their goodie bag. So they have to go through the gauntlet. But there was only one other place on the golf course where we asked them for money. True. There are some True. golf courses or some places they hit you up for money at the beginning. And there's too many options. We had two options. You could buy your wingspan and tickets or there was one other option for raffle tickets. Um, and the wingspan and tickets included all this other stuff. Like extra drink ticket, a couple of like upsells. Then there was only one other place on the course where they were, they had an option to pay for something that was fun, but no more else. And then we, and then at the inception, but that's different. But because I, I don't like being there when you, you walk up to the tent and you're like, wow, this is so cool. What do you have? And like, well, this is this much money. And and you're like, I'm not going to drop $150. I went to a course, great idea. They literally were doing like, do you want to do an IV? I'm like, I'm in the middle of playing golf. Golfing. What? No, I don't want to do an IV. But they did have these oh little, gosh. like, it was kind of, you would love it. They're like these glass vials and you okay. like break off the piece on the bottom and then you tip it over and then you break off the piece on the top. So it lets the oxygen in and it's like a salt water, like refreshing. It was like this big, it was really weird. I'm like, that's a great idea. Then upsell me on the IV, but not during golf. Like, sure, sure. That's weird. Yeah, I feel like. People get wacky with like the on-course activations too. We had some really cool ones. And I, again, like as a newer golfer, didn't really understand what like a hole activation was or a contest hole. I was like, what the heck are you talking about? Um, What were some of your standout favorites from the tournament? I mean, I loved that our title sponsor, Perch, literally was like, it's just going to be snacks. And I'm like, yes, "Yes, just do all the snacks because that's all people want. Like they don't need another koozie. Like- Right. We gave them one. They don't need another one. I mean, I have right. like six koozies in my golf bag, but still like they don't need a tchotchke. They're hungry. So like then get them to come over and have a snack. I mean, shots are always really fun if people want them. Um, one thing I did at another tournament is I was a on the hole in one contest because it was like insured for a million dollars. You have to have volunteers. So I was volunteering and they gave me a bottle of tequila and like little tiny taster cups. And they're like, just mm-hmm. give out shots. And like, this is a great idea. Great. Like, cool. And, and it's 10 a.m. and some people are down and other people are like, do you have whiskey? You know, or, yeah. you know, it's just, it was funny to see how people reacted. But I love that idea. Um, Babes Golf, the group that we're in, does a really fun 
fun contest and we had it at the savvy giving one and they raised like over $600, which was then donated back to the charity, which was really fun. I'm trying to remember. We had Mercedes Benz out there. Yeah, we had Mercedes. We had a hole in one for Mercedes. Somebody did hit a hole in one actually in one of the holes, not for the Mercedes though. Um, Sadly. But it was cool. Like people don't think I've, I was, I played in a tournament where somebody got a hole in one on for an Indian motorcycle but there was this weird caveat on how things were done and they didn't get it. And Indian motorcycle was livid because that's covered with insurance. Like yeah. India wants you to win it, you know? Right. Um, thank God I wasn't in charge of that tournament. Oh my gosh. But there's a lot of really fun things that you can do out on the, I, well, Oh, one of my favorites was we had a golf ball cannon. That's cool. And like, that's so on, cool. and it, these are little things that you put out there to speed up pace of play. Like you put it out on a par five and literally it was this like giant air cannon that you like held it and you shot it and it launched the bazooka. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. It was, that was really that's wild. I wanted to do it for wild. the one, but we didn't need it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like, I think with, with tournaments and with nonprofit things, you have to also know where to stop. And be like, okay, yeah. wait a second. We do actually need this to be profitable and right. we need to like rein it in a little bit. Um, but it's the thing of too, we had like a panic like two weeks before because we're like, oh my God, there's not enough golfers. And then just as we predicted, just as happens every time this in the San city Diego. of San Diego, everyone's like, oh yeah, totally. I'll totally go. Totally, totally. I'm in, I'm in. Definitely going to buy my ticket. Yeah. And they don't do it until the 11th hour. And it literally sends every time I think you and I have ever hosted an event, this happens. It sends whoever's organizing the event into an absolute frenzy, but you just have to trust. I remember you had a really good conversation. You're like, nope, this is just how it goes. Yeah. And we just had to trust you. And sure enough, we sold out all the spots. Yeah. Well, and the other thing too, like on that though, to keep in mind is we only budgeted for 88 golfers. Right. And we had right. 144. So I think that's so important if you're going to do a thing like this, like don't go in and say like, oh, we're going to sell it out in our first year. Like be realistic and just make sure what's the minimum I have to reach to contractually, but then do I have room to grow? And we did. And then we ended up selling it out, which was huge. But even at, when I budgeted, I budgeted the minimum, the 88. Right. Right. I know you have some of the, you have some of the stats pulled up at the end of the day. How do we do? Uh, I do know this off the top of my head. We, the net uh, was like, yeah, about $65,000. Woohoo. And that definitely helps to finance the nonprofit for like a while. Well, the budget was, 30, it was a $30,000 net. So it yeah. was more than doubled. Now, granted, the budget was 88 people. We had 144. But again, like with the raffle and the auction, those did really well. And the sponsorships did really well. Um, and I think, too, it's just understanding. I, I love asking the golf course, what have you seen that you thought was really creative? What have you seen yeah. that like everyone does that maybe I'm not thinking of doing? There's all sorts and work, of ways to make money. Working out. with your contacts, working with yeah. your reps, making sure you're keeping your people happy. Mm -hmm. um, if you were to do it again, what were some things that you would add um, to the experience? I know my mom had a really great idea of like, we didn't even realize that all the golfers, this sounds obvious once you've golfed, but that they all get golf carts. And so we talked about if we were to do it again, like we should be decking out the golf carts with information about the charity. Because I feel like there were I good... Did. I did do that actually. You guys probably didn't see it. There was a card. A card, but we're talking like even like decorate. These are interior designers. Like we should have a contest of the actual cart decoration. That would be fun to do um, a contest. Yeah. Right? Like some kind of contest or activation to really kind of pull the mission to the for forefront as well. Yeah. Right. Um, what other things would you add or or do differently for the golf tournament? For this one? Yeah. 
I felt like golf actually for this tournament went really well. I would suggest, and I actually, we did this at my old uh, tournaments and I really liked this. I would actually sell the tournament out at 128 golfers instead of 144 and um, budget it at 128. Because if you, you could maybe, and I know it's like a, a revenue difference, but the golf experience will be better and it'll golf will play a lot faster. And that was something faster. we had to adjust because we had people joining us for the reception is that originally we thought golf would play a lot, would be faster because we didn't think we'd have 144. Then we get 144 and we literally moved the reception time back. And it was dark out. And it was dark. You have to keep that in mind you for have winter. To, like, yeah. Really keep in mind the time of year um, that you're doing it. But I mean, I think overall, the only one thing I was like, I didn't love how it went was the, um, at the end, just getting, making sure we had the right information at the reception for the paddles. Totally. But like outside of that, I, we had great fun. We, you need to make sure you have volunteers. Like everyone was chill. Like this was a very, very smooth, smooth, very smooth mm-hmm. golf tournament. Like I didn't hear any complaints about beverages on the course. I didn't, I didn't really get any complaints. Um, which is shocking to be honest. Um, yeah, <laughs> because also that's, but that's part and parcel of events, right? Is like, you're going for, we're going for like 70 to 80% of it to run as planned yes. and leave that margin of 20 to 30% of yeah. either think on our feet, problem solve, crisis manage, mm-hmm. whatever that yeah. looks like. But I think too, like knowing your audience, um, setting the tone, and setting the expectation for like, this is a day to like, yeah, go out, have a good time. But also like, remember that you're here to like help us for the nonprofit. Right. And I think people really did. And so for that reason, it, it was successful. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and, I just, and I've learned over the years, like adding these touches, like in the goodie bag, throw a granola bar in there. I think totally. we had like two to three different snacks just in the goodie bag. They got a box lunch that was like, not just a crappy sandwich. It was a great sandwich with chips and a cookie and a piece of fruit, like, and a bottle of water. Mm-hmm. So it's just making sure people feel like well taken care of. Like I'd rather see them not eat their snacks than have them be hungry or totally. have them complaining to the bartender that they can't get anything. And, and just well, and you want sh- them to, to stick around. So they throw their credit card down for something. Yeah. You know? And that's something you do have to keep in mind. Most of them are going to go home. I would say we had, I think our retention was like 70% that people stayed yeah. So that's, that's yeah. good. I think that's really about what you expect because right. there's a lot of people that are like, I got to go home. I've been golfing all day. And then there's some people right. that like want to stay or they want to buy some of the auction items or, you know, they were planning to, to stay and participate. So you always have to keep that in mind. So, yeah. I thought the other fun thing was like definitely doing some of the crowd work. I'm definitely an in-person kind of person. Yeah. And if you could pit two buddies against each other and be like, well, your buddy just donated 150 bucks. So like, what are you going to do here? And kind of create some friendly competition within that. Also like on-site social media coverage, posting in real time, tagging your sponsors and really going above and beyond to show your sponsors that you appreciate them and that they're getting adequate shout out for what they paid for. And we, in the deck, I believe we like definitely under promised over delivered with the sponsorship stuff, which is what you should always do. We said like, You'll get a post, you'll get a story mention. But then every time I was out on the hole and I was like, and beautiful views brought to you by like going so overboard to make sure that we were really hitting those sponsors and and showing them that we were thankful for them and and giving them that social clout that they get as part of their their sponsor benefit. But yeah, I think that there's there's a lot of fun to be had in the golf tournament space, obviously. It's a great moneymaker for a nonprofit. And just like we did with the San Diego Open, like I think having your team of the right people that are the logistics 
and the getter done people, and then your creatives, there has to be that balance, right? There has to be that yin and yang energy because you are good at things that I am terrible at and I can design until I'm blue in the face. Right. So we have this kind of push and pull, which makes it really nice. Well, and with all of that, like having the right people in place to make it easier is so important. And that's why, you know, two things at the tournament, one, get a photographer that has shot a tournament before because True. iPhone photos are great. And I know iPhones are getting better and better every time, but having a photographer that you have professional photos that you can at least use for marketing next year. And then another thing that we did, which I thought was a great idea is we had a couple, um, we did the paddle raise and a couple auction things and we hired an auctioneer and it was like a $1,500 expense, but it was worth it. Worth it. She yeah. had a great personality. They know how to work the room. Like you're paying someone for a service in order to like get you to that goal. But what you said is so true on like just making sure you have the team together and finding the balance of like who can do what. I'm yeah. curious what yeah. you thought. Um, never having like, you're just a burgeoning golfer too. Like uh-huh. what did you think about going? Cause we've gone to farmers now two years in a row, but that is not the same thing. As- oh no, that's yes. a totally different yeah. ballpark. Um, I like it. I'm just a person that enjoys being outside and with other people. So like check, check. Right. Um, I really liked the golf tournament because I think it gave people a reason to just kind of like not feel like they were shoved in a ballroom and asked for cash. Yeah. And I think that when you do a gala, like, although that's part of the expectation and maybe there's an entertainment element or whatever, we'd hosted three or four galas before the pandemic and they were great, but it was also kind of a thing of like, it just felt tired. Yeah. And I think people want to go out and do things, I think more now than ever. And I think that for as much as everything is virtual and online and online fundraising can be really beneficial and we still do all of those things for the nonprofit, that actually seeing and talking to people and having them meet some of the families that got rooms from the nonprofit and actually put in the FaceTime goes really, really far. And I think people appreciate it. And I Mm -hmm. think for the people who came on behalf of their company, right? Right. Like they're guys that do construction or they are flooring installers and they're part of our world to be able to give them a day to be like, Hey, let's go show face at this golf tournament. Let's go have a good time. I think it's just such a win, win, win Mm -hmm. for everybody. And I mean, I love it. I love the whole environment of it. I like the pace of it. I love driving around the golf cart, even though I put my mother in it and she was, she was like, like holding onto the side rail. She's like, Oh God. And I was like, all right, mom, we're going to go off roading and like drove it onto the grass a little bit. And she had like a fit. Um, I like that part of it. So that's just fun to me. And it, it kills me because it's so funny. Like I grew up in San Diego my whole life. My parents met at San Diego state and there's just these certain like things that we just never did that I'm just like, how have I lived here my whole life and never done these things? Mm -hmm. Like how have I lived in, I'm almost 30 years old. And I just stepped on a golf course last year for the first time. Like how, how is it that like we're here and there's just so many resources and so many cool things and cool people that you get to meet when you just like go into these spaces that you otherwise thought like weren't for you. I mean, golf is like a, such a huge community totally. and it's like a connector. Like we've talked about this, like where, you know, if you're a Greek in college, it connects you to people like golf yes. just connects you to people. And I mean, I went on about one of my rounds earlier. It's amazing how you can just talk about it. And then you're like, Oh my God, I've become that person. Um, yeah. but I do want to say one thing about the tournament that I think is like a really neat opportunity is so many times they're like, well, I don't golf, so I can't participate in that. So it's like from your gala, it was like, how do we still capture the same audience, even if they don't golf? And it's like, well, volunteer or whatever, but also, you know, maybe pick a place that has a spa 
Yeah, I've played, true. and I we talked about this for this tournament. If we had done it at Ranch Bernardo Inn, like, hey, if you don't want to golf, you can do a spa day and then come to the reception, yeah. yeah, and like work with this, you know, and so still capture income, like still capture more people, right. and there's ways to right. generate revenue outside of just that. But I agree with you. I mean, there's like 80, 90 golf courses in San Diego. It's wild. Which I mean, Scottsdale, there's 200, which is insane. But like, yeah. And I've played at a handful of the golf courses here, but not all of them. I mean, I'm not even close to that quite yet. And it's, I just love like comparing them and contrasting them. Cause I've played at a few places that people like, well, this place is the best. And then I'm like, then I played at this place out in Palm Springs and I thought, no, (laughs) yeah, this is a municipal course compared to that. So wild, you know, it's, it's fun. Yeah. It's a whole new world, you know? Um, but if someone is listening to this whole episode and they're like, dang, I really need to hire them to help run my golf tournament. Where can everyone find you follow, connect all of that good stuff? My Instagram and my website are my name, um, CatherineLemandry.com, which I'm not going to spell it. You can link it because we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah, either one, I don't think golf tournament is an option on like my contact form, but you can always put it in the comments because but I, now, you know, use code KMA yeah. <laughs> on capitalandry.com. Hashtag KMA unlocks your page. No. Yeah. Um, unlocks your golf tournament planning yeah. capabilities. But it's like the other thing too is I, for a couple of people, I've just done like a consultation for them on like yeah. how to structure that um, so that they can do it themselves. And yeah. I love doing that too, because I mean, maybe I have, you're, you're hitting on a good niche here. Maybe you're a freelance golf tournament planner. I love doing That's, golf tournaments. You know? I think they're so fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The question we're asking everybody this season is uh, mostly because it's a TikTok trend. It's kind of a rapid fire um, thing, but it'll be good to clip for social. So, you know, um, for you, what's in and what's out for the new year? So in, what are you embracing out? What are you leaving behind as in you life approach or just Or like in work? Any, anything. Dealer's choice. What's in is trusting my gut. Um, Ooh, good one. Really trusting my gut and, and not using old stories to dictate how I move forward Ooh, in like everything. Juicy. Yeah. Juicy, juicy. All right. right I like we, that. We use, I like that. we use old stories to protect ourselves and to project what we think could happen instead of just being open and present to like what's actually happening around us. Um, yeah. Which has also eliminated, I think a lot of stress and worry yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so I would say like, that's kind of answers both like what's in is like being present and And what's out is like just going into those old stories to project like how work will be because of X, Y, Z, or how a client could react to something or personal life or any, or assuming, assuming that you don't belong somewhere just based on your perception. I think that to like wrap up this episode, like what's in is more golf and what's out is like less golf. (laughs) What's out is just doubting that you don't belong. You know what I mean? Like just seeing something and assuming it's not made for you just on your assumption without giving Mm -hmm. it a try. Right. So I guess that's, that's a nice way to kind of wrap this up in a bow. Lovely. Thanks as always. It was good to recap it. It's really, I feel like it's a good time capsule. These episodes, this one's so fun. Open. They're fun to go back to. And I think also for everyone listening, like this is just another example of like, Find people that you collaborate well mm-hmm. with, especially people that have skill sets that are complementary to yours and like just pull each other in. Like mm-hmm. you and I have worked together a handful of times now and it's always been a blast. So more of that too. Oh yeah. Yay. So much more of it. Wonderful. All right. Well, we'll catch you later. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks. Bye. 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 
for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind-the-scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired, and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time. Bye.